kiss on the hand may be quite congenital, but diamonds are a girl's best friend. A kiss may be grand, but it won't pay the rental on your humble flat or help you at the automat. Men grow cold as girls grow old, and we all lose our charms in the end. But square cutter pear shape, these rocks don't lose their shape. Diamonds are a girl's best friend. Welcome to Today on Broadway for Wednesday, January 16th, 2019. I'm Broadway World's Matt Tamanini. And Diane Broadway stars James Marino. James, before we get started um, on some sad news, uh, I do want to let everybody know that I did a uh, I was a guest on a very fun podcast called No Days But Today. It is a mm-hmm. retrospective at looking at each of the actual days in the movie version of Rent. So they have the the scenes are broken down over a course of different days, Christmas Eve, Christmas, New Year's Eve, Halloween, and so on and so forth. I did, um, I broke down the, uh, the what you own section. Um, And uh, so that was fun. So we talked about that and talked about how I do not enjoy the Rent movie at all and how I thought that this section was exceedingly cheesy on screen while it was incredibly effective on stage. So I'll have a link to that in the show notes if you want to listen to that and you can uh, catch up on the entire series since that is fairly close to the end of the film. So uh, uh, take a listen to that if you are so inclined. And do they do each one for each filmed version of Rent and will they do one for the Rent Live? <laughs> no, they they it's just for the film version, although we did talk about the uh, the the final, it was technically the final week, but the final broad yeah. or the final Broadway performance um, of Rent. We did reference that quite a bit, and we we talked about Rent Live. We talked about uh, the Jonathan Larson project, which I saw. So uh, uh, lots of good, uh, lots of good Rent and Rent tangential conversations. Do you ever listen to the Gilmore Guys? I do not. No, I do. I don't. I mean, I loved the Gilmore Girls when uh, it was originally on, but I haven't even watched the Netflix. Um, return episodes because I heard they mm. weren't so great. Yeah, they weren't so great. I was a big fan of Gilmore Girls and the uh, Gilmore Guys podcast was really very interesting. The precursor to the West Wing Weekly uh, mm-hmm. kind of idea there. All right. So first up in the news, uh, we found out yesterday that uh, Broadway icon Carol Channing passed away. Yeah, James, it was a really rough day for many musical theaters around the globe yesterday as the singularly iconic Broadway legend Carol Channing passed away at the age of 97. Channing, of course, is most known for originating the role of Dolly Gallagher Levi on Broadway in Hello, Dolly in 1964. Obviously, she didn't originate the role because it came from a, a Thornton Wilder play. Uh, anyway, she went on to play that role over 5,000 times on Broadway and on tour without ever missing a performance. Can you imagine? Despite being known for Dolly, she actually made her Broadway debut as an understudy in 1941's Let's Face It. Uh, But of course, Dolly isn't the only role that Channing returned to multiple times on The Great White Way. In 1949, she originated the role of Lorelai Lee. Speaking of Lorelai there with her uh, Gilmore Girls. Um, Lorelai Lee and Gentlemen Prefer Blondes. And then 25 years later, she came back to the part in the updated version that was then known simply as Lorelai. In total, she appeared in 12 Broadway productions, including five as either Lee 
or Levi. She won the 1964 Tony Award for the original production of Dolly and received a special Tony in 1968 and a Lifetime Achievement Award in 1995. She also received Tony noms for 1956's The Vamp and 1961's Showgirl, as well as Lorelei in 74. Um, James, you're going to talk to Peter Felicia here about Channing and her legacy in just a second, so I won't babble on too much about her. But I did want to mention a couple things. In the show notes, we will have a link to some of the outpouring um, of love and 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 respect and admiration from the Broadway community. Bette Midler issued a statement. The touring company of Hello Dolly issued a statement. We've also got some amazing videos from throughout her career. You know, it's so interesting because I saw some folks talk about the fact that Carol Channing – didn't have the best voice. She probably wasn't the best actress, but she had such, she oozed star quality and charisma and interestingness. And you can see that going back to these early black and white TV appearances. Um, she is a legend. She's one of a kind. Uh, you know, you put her up there with folks like uh, Elaine Stritch, these singular personalities that I don't know what their careers would be like if they showed up. Uh, in it, you know, straight off the bus or coming out of CCM or or Michigan or or wherever nowadays, but they came at the right time and and they helped mold what we know musical theater to be. She is uh, an icon and a queen of musical comedy, and her impact will be felt uh, on Broadway and beyond for uh, centuries to come. Peter, thanks for joining us. Um... Tell us, you know, do you have any remembrances of Carol? Oh, yeah. <clears throat> Wonderful ones, in fact. Uh, it first happened uh, at a luncheon at Sardi's uh, for the drama desk. When I was president of the organization, we had her come over. And I had all these questions laid out in chronological order, and it was going to be so <laughs> wonderful. But what I always like to say is Carol Chetty had 9,000 cassette tapes in her head and she used to put them in, play them for a while, take them out, put in another one at random, take it out, put another one in. <clears throat> and so really my, my questions went out with the um, uneaten cannelloni that day. They just uh, disappeared because there was no rating her in and this is not a complaint at all. It's just a case that she had her stories, she wanted to tell them and they were such fun to listen to. Some years later, Betty Cohen invited me to the um, – Theater on Film and Tape Archives at the New York Public Library uh, for the Performing Arts and uh, had me do a sit-down with her. And <clears throat> I was much more prepared for the fact that it was going to be a, a lot of rambling. But, you know, I made a big mistake because I started off by mentioning that she was actually on Richard M. Nixon's enemy list. list. Wow. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> you know, you wouldn't expect that. And um, what I was going to do as time went on in the interview was bring up and say, OK, so what happened? Uh, what did you do to get on the enemies list? And I'm telling you again, because those 9000 tapes just kept coming in and out and in and out, in and out. Um, <laughs> I, I got flummoxed and I forgot to ask the question. I have since heard. The reason was a simple one and a very trivial one, uh, which tells us a lot about Nixon. She really uh, lobbied for uh, Lyndon Johnson to win in the 1964 election. Now, 64 was the year that Dolly opened, and <clears throat> the big song that year uh, was Hello, Dolly. Louis Armstrong had an enormous hit with it and interrupted the Beatles' uh, string of hits uh, at number one because they had had I Want to Hold Your Hand and um, She Loves You, and then came Hello, Dolly uh, – 
before uh, the Beatles came back with, uh, I think, Love Me Do. But anyway, <clears throat> so this was a big song and everybody knew it. So she sang Hello, Lyndon at the uh, Democratic Convention um, because she was quite a Democrat. And uh, I'm told by some people that's all that it took to get on Richard Nixon's enemies list, which does sound rather picayune, you know, but um, that's what we uh, were told. Now, you know, the fact that I had, uh, you know, a, a more difficult time than usual, which again, I'm not complaining, <laughs> just an observation, is something that really ties into her 2002 memoir, Just Lucky, I guess, because I was told that her editor read the book and said, you know, I'm not doing a damn thing to it. I'm just going to leave it just the way it is. And when I heard that, I thought it was going to be uh, rambling and crazy. I think it's a very valuable book. I I always tell my uh, students at the University of Cincinnati uh, College Conservatory of Music, all the other s- students I speak to, too, that they must read this incisive book. <clears throat> it tells all about the courage you have to have to get to where you are and also about the importance of being on the road and letting people know who you are and uh, just, just don't limit yourself to Broadway. But a lot of advice that I think really, really would help anybody who wants an onstage career. So uh, she really uh, was terrific in that book. And I, uh, I cannot recommend it enough. You know, Orson Welles once said, more than once said that um, you really only need one hit. That's it to really cement your reputation and your livelihood. Just one. I mean, it's great if you have more than one, but you really just need one. And ironically enough, Carol Channing had two. Because, of course, the one we know better is is Dolly, you know. And what's interesting, um, you know, this this came up a lot when I was uh, writing my book on the 63-64 Broadway season called The Great Parade, where um, Dolly was the big hit of that season. And I learned a lot while doing research that Gawa Champion was not interested in her. He wanted Nanette Fabre to play the role. And Nanette Fabre said, look, I'm a Broadway star. I am not auditioning for you. And he says, no, I want you to audition. I'm not auditioning. Forget it. And Carol Channing, on the other hand, said, I want this part. And he says, Carol, you're not right. She said, let me audition for you. And she did. And she convinced him. So, you know, you can get on your high horse and you lose a big opportunity because the Bray only came back to Broadway one more time for a show that literally ran one night. I'm not including previews, but opening night was closing night. And, um, and here was Carol Channing with the role of her career, needless to say. I mean, I don't you hear some people say that you'll Brenner play the king more than Carol Channing played Dolly and vice versa. I don't know, but certainly she did quite a bit. Uh, she did take it on the road a number of times. She certainly um, did the revival back in 1978, nine, which was it anyway. And um, also in 95. And, you know, it was really interesting to go to the final performance at the Lund Fontaine, uh, which was really in January as well, just a few days from um, her 75th birthday at the time. And, you know, it was so nice to see uh, friends um, and acquaintances who really made an effort to be there because they knew this would be the last time they would see her in a show. She did appear in a Gypsy of the Year um, uh, competition in 2010. In fact, she even sang Hello, Dolly. But this was really it. And we knew it and we appreciated it. And uh, one of my friends, when I was reminiscing about this night, told me that, in fact, um, they really had to set up folding chairs. It was so packed that and Mark Lynn Baker was in the back of the theater in a folding chair. So that's how much it meant to us to see her for the um, last time. And I can't tell you how many people over the years, when I've asked, what was your first Broadway show, have said, uh, Hello, Dolly, with Carol Channing, be it 
the 64, the 78, or the 95. And it really was like a gateway drug, um, gateway elixir, I guess I should say, to uh, having it, uh, having them start a, 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 a habit of going to the theater a lot. So, yeah, was, <laughs> I, I went to a, a rehearsal of the uh, 95 Hello Dolly at, um, I think it was Michael Bennett's studios um, and on 19th Street and Broadway. And it was really something to watch her because um, there was no wing space. We were all in the room. And I noticed that when she was not on stage, she was looking at the script and going over her next lines. Now, Lord knows she knew the part. But I, I remember her telling me that David Burns used to do that, uh, the original Horace Vandergelder. And I guess she felt, you know, it doesn't hurt to keep on boning up what was going on. So it was really something to see that um, dedication, even though this was, what, 30 plus years after she had first done the role. And what was really interesting to me is I didn't realize until then that Jerry Herman didn't know it when he wrote the title song. But because, of course, he wrote it before Carol Cheney came on the scene. But <clears throat> But he was really writing her life story that, in that song because, you know, it was so nice to have her back where she belonged when she did the show. And she did look swell and she was glowing and crowing and going strong. And the band was literally playing one of her old favorite songs from way back when, I assure you. So that was something as well. And, you know, I mean, there's no question that this lady uh, did not have much of a voice, even though she did do a couple of uh, – studio albums uh, on her own, but you know, she didn't have much of a voice and it really was the personality that kept her going and kept us going and, and interested. And, um, yeah, but that personality really shone through in that original cast album, which by the way, was the last time a traditional Broadway musical traditional now with a real established golden age sound ever reached number one. And it did. It, it, and again, this was the year of the Beatles, but um, it was number one on the charts. Um, and um, <clears throat> Billboard has it down only for one week, but I remember Variety had it for quite a few weeks uh, on their charts. And um, yeah, that's what the nation was listening to. And she was so good at establishing her character. And I put my hand in and uh, the way she braided the word march, march, march in motherhood uh, was really quite uh, amusing. Um, she had the authority when she taught everybody to dance, um, the poignancy when she did before the parade passes by, and real razzmatazz, old Vaudevillian, with literally a hat and a cane um, when she did um, So Long Deary, the 11 o'clock number. So uh, that was really something. And of course, she started the Hello Dolly number, even though Hello Dolly. Dolly is sung to her. She started off by naming the waiters. And to this day, a lot of people tell me that's the best production number they've ever seen. So that was something. Now, so that was her second smash hit, but her first smash hit was Gentlemen for Blondes. Now, a lot of people say, well, that wasn't that big a hit. You know, if you do the math, you find out that when Gentlemen for Blondes closed, only six other book musicals, I'm not counting reviews, only six other book musicals had ever run longer. So that's a hit, you know. And so there she was playing Lorelai Lee, um, who, uh, a character who really believed that marrying for money was perfectly decent if you had a good figure and <laughs> a guy wanted uh, a trophy wife. Well, then, you know, there's nothing wrong with marrying for money. That's who the character was. And she was benign about it. I mean, uh, she believed it. She wanted it. But, I mean, it wasn't like she was – had the worst aspects of a gold digger to her was just a truth that um, a, a woman was entitled to it if she had the assets to bring to the table, different assets, but assets. So 
Um, now, this was a time when, of course, men um, liked to sexualize their women um, as children, and um, and Lorelai Lee knew how to play the game. You can hear that in her recording of Bye Bye Baby. And uh, and as soon as she sang Bye Bye Baby, where, where she was going on a trip that her Bo was paying for, what was really interesting was that as soon as that happened, <clears throat> as soon as that happened, she then told us who she really was in A Little Girl from Little Rock, which was a a bit of a popular song at the time, actually, um, in which she sang about the fact that, yes, a man done her wrong, but she was so glad he did because otherwise she wouldn't have got to New York and seen all these other opportunities that uh, Arkansas could not give her. So, um, so that was fun. Of course, the big song on the show was Diamonds Are a Girl's Best Friend. And um, I remember in 64, there was a news item where she said, uh, you know, you know what, what the wonderful thing about Dolly really is that now when I enter a room where there's a live orchestra playing, for 14 years, I've been hearing them play Diamonds Are a Girl's Best Friend when I enter. It's a tribute, and I'm, I'm very grateful that they're acknowledging me, but it's so nice to have a new song now after all those years. Well, of course, for the next 50 years, she would hear <clears throat> Hello, Dolly, whenever she entered a room where there was a live orchestra. So, But still, again, Wilson Well says you only need one, and she had two. So <clears throat> I also remember, too, that um, she was very good-natured about the fact that she did not get the part of uh, Lorelai Lee in the movie, A Gentleman Prefer Blonde. She said that when she was on the road in Los Angeles, Marilyn Monroe out in Hollywood came to see the show because it looked like she was going to get the part, which indeed she did. And Carol Channing was thrilled that she came backstage. I mean, this was certainly, everybody knew who Marilyn Monroe was, and uh, for that matter, still do. It's amazing to me how many Marilyn Monroe images I saw at Broadway Con last week. You know, and she's been dead since 1962, but still. So anyway, she was a big star, and Carol Channing was really very impressed that she came backstage to see her and, and, and to tell her how marvelous that her interpretation of Laura Lee was. Uh, to be frank, um, she didn't have the same feelings when Hello, Dolly was to be filmed. I mean, and, you know, she had a good argument uh, that she gave me. You know, by this time in the late 60s when the movie was being ready, she'd already gotten an Oscar nomination for playing Muzzy Van Husmeer and Thoroughly Modern Millie. Um, I mean, think about it. The, the picture star Julie Andrews, Mary Tyler Moore, Beatrice Lilly, all big stars, the Academy only thought that Carol Channing was worthy of a nomination. In fact, the Golden Globes made her the winner. And, you know, she had another arrow in her quiver there because she had won the Tony for playing Dolly. And you might say, well, all right, but, you know, but don't forget, she beat out Barbara Streisand for that award. Barbara Streisand was doing Funny Girl. And that was a demanding role in a demanding show. And yet Carol Channing beat her in the Tony. Ironically enough, of course, the person who did the movie of Hello, Dolly uh, turned out to be the loser in that uh, 1963-64 Best Actress in a Musical Race. Um, I, yeah, I, I I always love when Richard Skipper, uh, when he was imitating Carol Channing, would refer to the Hello Dolly movie by saying, um, "Yes, there was a movie, and it starred Walter Matthau." I mean, you know, the joke is, of course, <laughs> that she would mention Barbara Streisand. You know, um, <clears throat> but on a serious note, Richard Skipper worked so tirelessly and long and hard to get her a Kennedy Center honor. And it didn't happen. Now it's too late. And it's really sad because she certainly uh, deserved one considering um, all she did and considering some of the other people who have gotten them. I'll, I'll be very frank in saying that. So, 
And the uh, the other irony is tomorrow night when they dim the lights, it is literally 55 years to the day that Dolly opened on Broadway. And uh, who knew that was going to happen? But um, I don't know. In addition, to, you know, the dimming of the lights, you know, we've had so many people in recent years who um, have done one or two shows and they dim the lights uh, and um, and we've all complained about that. I don't think we have any complaints this time around, but it once again reiterates the devaluation of the lights dimming by um, having other people who can't begin to touch Carol Channing's Broadway career because she really was a Broadway star more than anything else. So I don't know. You know, I'd like to think that when she got to heaven today, that everybody who had ever been in a Broadway show, be it male or female, whatever the case, um, put on their waiter's uniforms and welcomed her with Hello, Carol, um, using every lyric except it's so nice to have you back where you belong. Uh, but I'd like to think that happened. And frankly, wouldn't it be great if Richard Nixon put on a waiter's suit too and started singing and dancing in tribute to Carol Channing? I think that would have been great. That's a beautiful story. Okay, next up in the news, Frozen announces historic casting news. Yes, before we get to the historic part, off the top, the two top-line stars, the sisters at the top of Frozen, Casey Levy and Patty Muren, have both uh, extended their contracts with the show and will remain in Frozen and in Arendelle. We don't exactly know how long they're going to remain. I would imagine that's still to be determined, but the Disney folks did confirm that both sisters will be continuing with the show into year two. But that's not all that we learned, as in addition to the fact that uh, Joe Carroll will be taking over as Hans and Noah J. Ricketts will be taking over as Kristoff, both beginning on February 19th, they will be joined in the company by a new Olaf. None other than the severely underappreciated Ryan Redman, making her the first woman to ever be cast in the role, not only on Broadway, but in in the films and the, the different theme park shows, uh, not exactly the same as like Whoopi Goldberg taking over uh, as Pseudolus from Nathan Lane, but still a pretty cool thing um, in and of itself, because I love Ryan Redmond. You might know her best um, uh, from Bring It On, the musical where she stole the show as Bridget, who was the, the, in the parrot suit or whatever. And uh, just fantastic. She was also in the ensembles for If Then and Escape to Margaritaville. Uh, but she's fantastic. Very excited for her. Um, also, beginning on February 19th, Andrew Perosi and Adam Jepsen will be splitting the role of Sven evenly for uh, four performances a week. Jepsen had previously been Perosi's standby. Now, James, as I said, I'm a huge Ryan Redman fan all the way since I saw the Bring It On Out of Town tryout in Atlanta back almost exactly this time. Uh, I think it was actually eight years ago tomorrow. Maybe when I first was supposed to see it and it got canceled because of an injury. And that's when I went met Lin-Manuel Miranda and Tom Kitt and Amanda Green and Jeff Whitty. Uh, but anyway, so I am so happy that she is getting a chance to play another feature role on Broadway. And I think this is a really interesting idea for Disney. Of course, the cynical side of me is to say, hey, they're just trying to show that when this eventually gets licensed, uh, anybody can do it. But I, I don't think Disney needs to do that, to be honest with you. I just think they saw Ryan Redman as incredibly talented and wanted to, uh, wanted to just shake things up a little bit in the casting for Frozen on Broadway. Don't be so cynical, my friend. <laughs> All right, I'll do my best. Uh, you know. <laughs> I'm sure Disney has nothing but good intention. Yep, the rainbows and pixie dust and uh, yeah, dollar 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 bills, y'all. 
<laughs> All right, Matt, what else do we need to know for today? All right. Yesterday, Primary Stages announced their 2019-2020 season of shows, which will include Remember to Live, written by and starring Billy Porter and directed by Cheryl Collar. That will run from October 29th through December 22nd later this year. Then from January 8th through March 4th, The Confession of Lily Dare, written by and starring Charles Bush will be presented by Primary Stages, directed, of course, by Carl Andrus. And finally, from May 12th through June 28th of, 20, of 2020, Zhihai Park's Peerless will be directed by Margot Bordelon. We will have complete information for all of the shows in Primary Stages season in the show notes at broadwayradio.com. We also learned yesterday that Waterwell is extending its upcoming world premiere production of Ariane Moyad's The Courtroom, which will star Ruthie Ann Miles, Kathleen Chalfont, and more, and features actual text from recent deportation hearings. In addition to a pair of performances at both the Fordham University Law School and the Thurgood Marshall United States Courthouse, they will also be adding performances at St. Mark's Church in the Bowery and the Judson Memorial Church. These three uh, new three performances will run from January 30th through February 1st. And finally, members from the cast of Scandal will reunite later this month for a free one-night-only reading at Los Angeles's City Hall of Miss Smith Goes to Washington, a gender-flipped adaptation of the classic Jimmy Stewart film Mr. Smith Goes to Washington. On January 24th, Bellamy Young will play the title character, and she will be joined by fellow Broadway alums Joshua Molina and Jeff Perry. The show will be adapted and directed by Fountain Theater Artistic Director Stephen Sachs and presented in association with the City of Los Angeles, the Feminist Majority Foundation, and the League of Women Voters. Tickets will be distributed via a rolling ticket lottery, so you can enter by visiting MissSmith.org. That's M S S M I T H.org. Or you can just go to Broadway Radio and check out the show notes, and you can link from there. So uh, we got an email from listener Deb Schrager that told us, uh, gave us an update on what's happening down at Woolly Mammoth now that. Oh, Const Joe, did we? Now that uh, Constitution is going to Broadway, uh, they have uh, rescheduled that slot with a show called The Peculiar Patriot by Liza Jesse mm. Peterson. Um, and uh, they're also trying to work out a way in which to have Constitution come down to Woolly Mammoth after his Broadway run and sure. uh, figure out how to get people refunds or credits uh, for their tickets that they had purchased already. So uh, so that'll be uh, in the show notes as well. So check that out. I hadn't out. seen that yet. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that's kind of what we expected. I mean, uh, I guess they could have... Uh, as I thought, maybe brought in somebody else to do it. But as hot as this show is with Heidi Shrek, you would imagine yeah. that they would want to have her in it. So uh, that makes total sense. So uh, I'm glad that uh, uh, that they figured that out and got that information out as soon as possible. All right, Matt, why don't you get us out of here? All right, thanks for listening to Today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Broadway Radio. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at BWWMAT. And my name is James Marino from BroadwayRadio.com and BroadwayStars.com. Thanks for spending some of your Wednesday with us. And Matt and I'll be back and talk with you tomorrow. Ephraim, <laughs> let me go. It's been long enough, enough, Ephraim. Every evening for all these years... I've locked the door, I've put out the cat, I've made myself a little rum toddy. 
And before I went to bed, I said a prayer, thanking God that I was independent, that no one else's life was mixed up with mine. And then one night, an oak leaf fell out of my Bible. I placed it there when you asked me to marry you, Ephraim. A perfectly good oak leaf, but without color and without life. And I suddenly realized that I was like that leaf. For years, I had not shed one tear, nor had I been filled with the wonderful hope that something or other would turn out well. And so I have decided to rejoin the human race. I'm going to marry Harris Vandergelder. And Ephraim, I want you to give me away. Before the parade passes by, I'm gonna go and taste Saturday's high life. Before the parade passes by, I'm gonna get some life back into my life. I'm ready to move out in front. I've had enough of just passing by life with the rest of them, with the best of them. I can hold my head up high, for I've got to go again. I've got to drive again. I'm going to feel my heart coming alive again before the Whistles blow and the cymbals crash and the spark 